0: All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome into the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. This is season four, episode seven. I am Andrew Drozdak. I am one of your co-hosts of this show. I'm joined as always by my good buddy and co-host, the best brewer in town, the coolest guy I know. Man, the list just goes on and on. Thomas Bowen, say hello to the people.
1: Man, you know, let's just let let's go ahead and be honest with our listeners here and let's and let's tell them the real deal. We weren't gonna even have a show this week after that awful, awful. Game last weekend where the Gamecocks just got it handed to him up in Knoxville, but, you know, Andrew was the consummate professional. He was on me all week. He said, we got to do it. We, we got to do it for the listeners. So here we are. No notes running free. We'll see how it goes.
0: I agree, man. That was a tough one. Uh, you know, jumping right in fans if you're new to the show thomas and i are what we like to believe to be uh slightly above average football fans and what we mean by that is we played the game we coached the game we loved the game we have been studying it our whole lives and talking about it together for years and years now and we just decided let's do this podcast and and talk football and break it down uh at a level that we think is a little higher than anywhere else on the podcast universe and thomas Hit on it right there, South Carolina. Thomas and I are, are fans of South Carolina, graduates of South Carolina, lifelong fans of South Carolina. And, you know, so this show centers around the South Carolina Gamecock football team. We talk about the rest of college football. We'll touch on the NFL here here and there as well. But we mostly center on the Gamecocks. And for that reason, as Thomas said, it was a very disappointing evening in Knoxville for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, you know, when you hear players talk and even coaches You can tell they are disappointed in that out uh, outcome and and the performance on the field, product on the field, and you know it's just not what you want coming off a big win uh, against Mississippi State, which I know they are not a great football team, but you had gotten back uh, on the right track. It felt like your offense was moving better. It was there were big plays, explosive plays. There weren't as many busts up front, and you know, (laughs) unfortunately, that all evaporated into the night sky uh, in Neyland Stadium. It was a painful night as a Gamecock fan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it really was. And just uh, kind of the way that, that it happened where it, it, and we'll get into this a little bit here, but the the way that they sort of, they were the first team I saw to really negate Xavier Leggett. Now, granted that the pressure that Rattler was under did certainly didn't help. Things (laughs) can't develop that way, but uh it was just relentless pressure. Uh, even Tree, as well as he'd been playing, like he was mm-hmm. just getting manhandled all night. And but but uh, I will say, when you think about it, final score forty-one to twenty, and I think Tennessee scored that last touchdown with like under five minutes to go. So I mean, it's almost it, it feels like that game was a lot worse than the score shows you. Because if 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 I just watched the game and didn't see the final score, I'd be like, South Carolina got murdered in that game, sixty right. to twenty. Right,
0: and and there's a key play right before the first half that we'll talk about, or we can talk about right now. Actually, third and long, I believe it was third and 22, under a minute or right at a minute on the clock. The Gamecocks got the ball. It made the most sense, in my opinion. Most conventional wisdom would say you run the ball there. Tennessee has one timeout. You make them call it, so you so you have to punt to them. You have a very good punter. Uh and South Carolina decided to be aggressive, try and throw a pass, and it was high, sailed over the receiver into the waiting Tennessee player's arms, and he takes it back. For a pick six, uh, you know, that's demoralizing. That that takes the wind out of your sails. It's just a a gut punch right before halftime. Uh, you know, Coach Beamer's been asked about it multiple times. He said they kind of played out the scenarios. Tennessee had a very good punt returner, you know, and all of those things. The only thing I'll say here is, you know, anytime you do anything in that regard, you, you if it goes poorly, you're going to just be called wrong. You know, like if if he complete, if Spencer completed that pass, I believe it may have even been to Xavier Leggett, and Xavier makes a move and he goes and scores a touchdown, or he gets. A I think
1: I think it was Omega actually.
0: Okay, it was an Omega, <laughs> and. and Omega goes and makes a huge play. Then everybody's going, "Wow, look at you know, look at Bilo and look at Shane Beamer, the risk takers, and look what it did for him." Huge momentum going into the second half. You know, that's the the flip side of the coin. But unfortunately, in my opinion, and I'm just a fan, I, the risk reward there is is too too much of a not an equilibrium. You the, the risk is too high because even if you incomplete, if you if you if that patch just falls incomplete, you stop the clock for them. Now you have to punt it and they have a timeout. If you complete it, it's third and I believe 22 or 17. The likelihood it was behind the sticks already. It, the likelihood of getting a first down there and not having the punt is extremely low. Uh, you know, it just it felt as though there was an over aggressive moment of thinking, we got to do something. We, we have struggled most of the first half offensively. We've got to do something. You mentioned three uh, out at left tackle, true fe- freshman, I promise you, Thomas, he has not seen a speed rusher like that in his entire life. Absolutely. Uh, because when he was playing high school football <laughs> last year, the guy who had that much speed is probably playing inside linebacker or safety or is probably on offense. And, yeah. you know, I think about like Micah Parsons, for example, in the NFL, great outside linebacker for uh, Dallas Cowboys, edge rusher, does a lot of things. He was a high school running back because he was so darn athletic. Ray Lewis was a high school running back because he was so athletic. In high school, your best athletes aren't going to be on the edge because you don't have that many elite athletes. You're gonna put them in more more dynamic spots. He, I mean, Tree just didn't have it for that guy, and I understand it. And the problem was we were having the same similar kind of trouble over on the right side. It was just a, a tough, tough night. Again, it's not what the, the Gamecock faithful and, and, and team and I think even some national media. I mean, Dez um, on college game day, he he just to win the game. And, you know, even Kurt and and some others hemmed and hawed, and they didn't see it as a 21 or 12-point 12, 12 line and just certainly didn't see us losing by 21. And it, it was just, you know, a bad situation. Like you said, that late score, five minutes left, the pick six at halftime. But, you know, I mean, it's it's always the if-thens, if-thens, if-thens. You can do that yep. all day. But yep. at the end of the day, it was just not a great performance. a step backwards. The good news for South Carolina, if there is right now, is that you have a bye week. You're not playing anybody this week. You've got time to heal. The Gamecocks need to heal up. They have several injuries at several key positions. And also, you know, you have a, a game like that, it's – it's best to have that week off so you can really flush it mentally and and physically and all of that because you're not having to necessarily jump right into game prep for the coming week and it's a tough one uh I'll talk a little bit here offense and kind of go position by position but it's it's you know the writing is on the wall starting at the quarterback position you can't ask Spencer Rattler to do much more than he's done so far this season yes the pass at the end of the half was a bad one um shouldn't have shouldn't have thrown that ball um you know I'm, I'm sure he'd like to have it back similar to the the passes that he got intercepted in um got intercepted in the georgia game second half he was certainly pressing and so that's that's a problem there running back almost we saw a huge run play 75 yard run 74 yard run by mario uh anderson look yeah great. he had 100,
1: 100 yards on the night, hundred and one, i believe
0: uh, great, red, the, the Red Sea parted, you know, I, he was barely touched on that play, showed some speed that I didn't know he had when he got to the second and third level. And so that was, you know, you're you're sitting there going, oh, okay, maybe, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do this. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, it all petered out. We'll talk about some reasons why in a second. Thomas, one of the position groups, other than offensive line that's hit the hardest right now by key injuries, is tight end and wide receiver. It's a great time to heal yourself up. The best way to heal up is ice up. Where can folks get some ice if they need to heal up their wounds from this bad game last week?
1: That's right. That's right. And that is very true. Good time, good time to get some ice on those wounds. Get it ice cold. Keep your coolers cool. You know, the weather's getting cooler outside, but hey, you still need that ice for your cooler for your bourbon drinks. Gotta keep your beer cold. So I'll tell you, go see our good friends at Twice the Ice. Folks, if you're still buying your ice from the gas station, you are doing it wrong. Not only are you overpaying, the quality is crap. A seven-pound bag is almost $3 now. You'd be lucky if you find one that's not a solid chunk of ice. So find yourself Twice the Ice machine where you can get a 16-pound bag or 20 pounds directly in your cooler for only $2.50. And we're going to hook you up. Our listeners with a free bag, no strings attached. Go to tticlub.com backslash lake Murray Ice for participating locations. And when you're at the machine, text the word average to the phone number of the machine, and you get yourself some free ice. Easy as that, Andrew. I'll tell you who who might need some ice also is our offensive line after last week.
0: Goodness gracious, that is correct. Um, offensive line, we talked about it, struggled. I saw a graphic during the game that said South Carolina's offensive line had given up 19 sacks uh and Tennessee's offensive line had 19 on the season. And that number definitely increased uh on Saturday for the Vols. Um you know, it's been talked about to death that this was a revenge game for them. That place was insanely loud. That place was rocking. Those those players were fired up. You know, Spencer kind of made a comment about it being their Super Bowl. I think that may have been a bit of a stretch for him, but, you know, I understand what he means there. And, you know, again, just not great. When you have an 18 year old true freshman, even one that is as talented as Tree Babalabe out at left tackle, he's going to have nights like he had. where Certainly. He's just never seen that before. If you're an offensive line person and you like to watch that group, I want to encourage you, go watch, not just because they're my favorite football team, go watch the Philadelphia Eagles play. Watch Lance Johnson at tackle. His kick on the on his pass pro is exactly what Tree needed to be doing. And Tree hadn't mastered that skill yet. Um, I mean, he that that's the uh the rusher was past him where he was out of his his kick really a lot of times. And he did the cardinal sin in football as an offensive lineman, his shoulders turned. Once you get your shoulders perpendicular to the offensive line of uh, to the line of scrimmage, you're done. You are done as an offensive lineman. You have to stay square as long as you can. That's why that kick on pass pro is so so vital. When that's why they want those tall guys out there. Their legs are longer, and if you reach out there and jump, I mean, it's 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 a, a true skill. People make jokes all the time. The big boys up front, those dudes who are really really good, they're great athletes. They're great athletes. They're just big. And what he was having to be able to do, and I think he'll develop that skill, it it just isn't something he had to do as well as much in high school. And then, you know, it just gets in your head, and you're like, oh, man. And as soon as he's trying to set up outside for that big rush, now the guy's going to come back inside, your weight's off. I saw on the other side, uh, you know, again, trying to make up for a speed rush, and we had guys uh, getting ragdolled over there, getting straight up run over. Um, it was just not a good night for the offensive line. Uh, you know, there was movement at times in the running game, like I mentioned, but overall that was not great either, but the pass pro was, was really poor. Um, Thomas to to speak more broadly here for just a second about the offense. We're, we're, you know, at the bye week. Now we've talked a lot this year about new offensive coordinator, coach Loggins, and what's his offense going to look like? Is he going to have growing pains, this, that, and the other, what would you, grade him if you were grading him on an A to F scale so far this season on just scheme alone not necessarily execution
1: okay that's that's a good a good qualifier there on on scheme alone and not necessarily situational play calling we're just talking that, his scheme his let's system. talk
0: scheme let's talk scheme first and then we'll get into situational
1: yeah, scheme first, I would say I'm I'm giving it a uh a B plus. A lot, like a lot of the wrinkles he throws in there. I think he's really simplified a lot of things, but it's still it's still a multiple offense. It's still gonna hit you with a lot of different things. And um yeah, yeah, I think because that the rest of it that I would say about it is more about execution and, and situational play calling. But scheme alone, I'm going B plus. Where are you at?
0: I mean, I I think that's a fair grade. I'd probably be right there with you at B+. I like what I've seen. I've seen creativity. I've seen multiple fronts. I've seen multiple, you know, styles of play. Um, I've seen multiple speeds, which I've liked. We have that ability to slow down and huddle. We have that ability to play super fast and try and keep them. And here's the thing we got to talk about, speaking of playing super fast, and this is the Nick Saban rule. Nick Saban pushed the NCAA several years back because you had all all the jailbreak offenses, and they were bringing in, they were bringing offensive players in right before they snap the ball, and the defense didn't have time to adjust. And Nick said that was a problem. So as soon as you, as soon as an offensive player subs out, the defense, the 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 referee will literally stand behind the center so he can't snap the ball until the defense has had a chance to adjust as well. I, I understand the 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 concept there and, and what fairness of play and everything, but man, now the defense is the one playing the games. The offense brings a guy off. The ref holds up the snap. Now the defense is waiting and waiting and waiting to bring somebody on. So now you're up against it because you have a play clock to go against. That's the the other side of the coin there, and that happened to South Carolina a few times. There were a few times we were ready, you know, brought in a wide receiver ready to roll, and we got the old stop. And Tennessee slow rolled their defensive player changes in, and it puts you, you know, all of a sudden you got three seconds on the play clock. You can't read anything. You can't adjust anything. You got to you got to hike it and. That's the other side of that. The defense is now using that rule, just like the offense did years ago, for their advantage. If they have to wait for you to sub, take as much time as you can to sub. I mean, it almost – what you're going to have to do in that situation, and I don't know how you do this, is if the ref stands in there like that, stop the play clock.
1: That's yeah. what I was going to say. You, you yeah. have to because, I mean, I mean, what, otherwise, what is – What is the rule on that? Like, obviously they can't they can't wait until literally the play clock hits zero. So what's the what's the rule?
0: I think you know you got to be trying to show an effort to get on. I don't know. I haven't put it. I haven't seen the actual writing of the playbook, or excuse me, the rule book on what that is. But I mean that's something I can look up. But it did seem, and I've seen it in other games as well. It did seem that defenses were now making late substitutions. So what your owners are going to have to do if you don't stop the play clock. Is it's almost like a five second call in basketball or a three Mm -hmm. second basketball where you're going to have to you're going to have a have a sideline judge going one, two, and then now you're calling the defense for delay of game because they're they're holding up the offense. That's a rule change they have to look at because I'm seeing it not just in South Carolina games in multiple games because the defensive coordinators and defensive coaches are going. This is now our advantage because we can bring a guy on and if he goes slow and there's still time on the play clock let's say there's 10 seconds on the play clock and it takes him call it five to get there. Now we're at the five, the ref moves the court. The, often, you know, the other thing is when the ref's standing there looking at the quarterback, quarterback can't see the defense. Yeah. Can't see, so it's just, there's a lot of things that they got to look at in that particular rule. Didn't, didn't call South confined to the game by any stretch of the imagination, but it <laughs> is a little bit of the, the, the working of the system, which he <clears throat> tries to do. Um, so that, that was something, you know, Thomas, I will say uh, the offensive line, not to make excuses, they, as much as wide receivers with Juice Wells being out and Brown has not been healthy for quite some time, have been hit by this. The offensive line is essentially missing seven players. It's not all seven of them were they were being counted on to be regular starters, but you've got mm-hmm. very little depth. You've got very little experience. I mean, you know, it, it's but what we have right now is what we have. Like, that's, that's what you're going to be able to trot out there. And I bring that up to say, you know, there's the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, if it is broke, you got to fix it. You yeah. cannot continue to play cup pass protection, that straight-up drop-back pass protection, and expect to have success because every single team, Florida will do it next week, is going to bring a speed rusher off the edge, And then they're going to twist, and then you're done. You're done. You've got to get creative. My suggestion—I brought it up a couple weeks ago—we got to move the pocket, sprint out, move Spencer intentionally. And I know the disadvantage of that sometimes is that you're cutting off half the field. Well, the answer, my answer to that is: here's what you do, Thomas. When we talk about a player like a a Xavier Leggett at wide receiver being double teamed. What we actually mean is there's not two guys standing in front of him. There's a cornerback, and then there's a safety that hangs out over top. And they're, they're watching him. They're spying him in some way. So, play him to one side. Play him to the short side of the field and make them do that. And he's fast enough to go through the traffic and get across that field and run that crossing route, that deep crossing route. Also, he's fast enough to just run a drag and go make something happen with the ball in his hand. That's the other thing is, you know, people have complained and complained and complained about no deep shots during this game. What what would you like for them to do? Call a five-step drop and let everybody run a vertical and just Spencer gets teed off on? That's not going to work. But you do have to have some creativity in that route running, option routes. Thomas, you talked about it with Tennessee. They want to make their 10-yard stem the exact same, and then they adjust based on what the defense does. we got to shorten that up. Three-yard stem, four-yard stem. If there's a linebacker inside, I'm running a quick out. If there's a linebacker outside leverage on me, I'm running a slant. If he's over top of me, I'm hitting that hitch. And get the ball out of the quarterback's hand
1: as fast as you can. And it's something else that a lot of people have been <clears throat> have been screaming about, uh, Nick Harbour, you know, why isn't he in there? What why is, you know, he's so big, he's so fast, all that. And 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 of course you and I have talked about it, you know, there's you you're not just out there just 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 running wide open. You gotta know the routes, you gotta know the plays. And also it's how the hell is are we supposed to get the time to develop a deep ball when he's under duress so much right. time? But right. One thing I did think about, and this, this may sound silly, but it, it, it also kind of sounds like a no-brainer at this point. The few times that Harbor is in there mm-hmm. that he is he has spread out, would it not make sense to at least have a, a tag or hot route to where, let's say – For whatever reason, we get the defense where somebody's press man on him and it's a cover zero, meaning there's Mm -hmm. no help on the back end. Now, Mm -hmm. my thought in this situation is that means if that's happened, you call that tag and then that tells Nick Harbor to just at the snap to run as fast as he can. Because Mm -hmm. if he can get through that jam, he's going to be, he's going to have separation from that DB within 10 yards. So then Mm -hmm. you don't have to wait on the deep ball to develop. You know what I mean?
0: I do I do uh, uh know that exactly what you're saying and here's the thing I again I go back to the Eagles not because they're my favorite football team it's just the one I watch all the time the Eagles did this with Jalen Hurts against the Commanders this season and AJ uh this past week and AJ Brown they're one of their best wide receivers the the Commanders were trying to rush Jalen all the time to put him in a situation where he had to make a a tough decision we they ran the eagles ran a few times where it's that rock back and throw it's almost a fade route and he's putting as much air as he can underneath it with the idea that aj is going to go get it you can do that with harbor even if they have a safety you tell nick like you just said snap of the ball give him the inside slot so he's off the line of scrimmage they can't get a jam on him or it's going to be hard to. And they you put him on a straight vertical and you tell Spencer we ain't reading a thing. Throw it and then you tell Nick and this is a hard thing to tell a true freshman and trust him to do. Nick, if you can't catch it, make sure the safety doesn't. If yeah. you can't catch it, tackle the safety. You get if you blow by the safety, great. If you don't If you don't and he's in a better position than you, first of all, you're a giant, giant athlete with explosive jumping ability, out jump him. It's the Randy Moss situation. They can't cover me, golly, just throw it up to me, you know, and and that you can do that. But again, you got to have confidence. You're asking a true freshman, an 18 year old to go, Okay, I can't get to that ball. I'm going to just have to knock it down. I got to play DB or I got to just straight up tackle the safety and take an offensive pass interference and not give up a penalty. here. Whatever what you got to do. Yeah. Got. Do. I mean, that's, that's literally the coaching point, Nick, you don't think about a darn thing. We tag it. Maybe the safety's rolled to the other side. Maybe you've got look, like, you've got Harbor in that slot and you've got Leggett on the other side Legette of
1: the, on the, yeah, exactly.
0: How you're making that safety make a hard choice. And if he makes the choice to roll, that's all that that's all Spencer looks for. Did he just roll to Leggett? Balls out. Did he take yeah. a step to the other side? Balls out. And you're throwing it like a punt almost. You're you're getting air under it. It's the drop it in a bucket throw. Again, it's very much like the fade. And you know, with when we had Alshon Jeffrey, and you could just run the fade with this kid. When we had Alshon Jeffrey, that was the old joke. Spurrier said it all the time. We got in the red zone. He was like, we throw him the fade to to Alshon at least once. <laughs> If he can't catch you, he can knock it down. And you can do that sort of thing. But I bring up Alshon. That was another guy. We heard grumblings, grumblings all season, his true freshman year. Where's this superstar? Where's this superstar? It was five, six weeks in before he came on. And the Kentucky game was his coming out party that year. Maybe that can be the Florida game for, for Nick. It's a home game. You know, you don't have the crowd all over you. Who knows? We'll get into that in a second. Thomas. The other thing, and, and I talked about this previously, <clears throat> this is a great time. And they talked, I've, I've seen Shane Beamer talk about self scouting. So, what that means is usually you have a scout on your team, several GAs, graduate assistants, and they are breaking down film. What are the tendencies of the other team? What do they like to do in certain situations? Well, now you're going to look at it and scout yourself. What tendencies do we have? What could we be giving away? If it's third and long and we come out in this formation, does the other team have a good idea of what we're doing? Because if they do, we got to get away from it. The other thing, and I mentioned this before, when you're struggling in the run game and you're multiple in the run game like we are, find what you're good at and stick to it. Now, that doesn't mean you run the play the exact same way every time. You don't run inside zone with, with Mario Anderson on the left side of of Spencer Radler and he sticks the ball in his stomach and he might pull it out and throw. You can't do that every single time. That's easy to defend. It's window dressing. It's window dressing. My old high school football coach, coach Davis used to tell me that it's all smoke and mirrors. Andrew, you find four plays you're good at and you run it out of every formation you got and you make it look different, but for your team, it's the exact same. That's what you got to do, especially when you're struggling as much as we are on the offensive line. I saw a stat online that if South Carolina continues this pace, I think Brad Crawford from 247 Sports said this, or 247 Sports said um, South Carolina would be on pace if they made a bowl game to give up 59 sacks this season. And that would More. be a, uh, a a dubious team record, program record. Um, and you got to remember, I'm not dogging our Gamecocks, but this is a team that one time went 0-21. So, you know, it's, it's just – that's a bad situation. That's a bad situation, Thomas. You know, talk to me a little bit on the defense. I'm going to jump in before I let you cut loose. The guy, the, if there was one guy I came away with about defense that looked good in this game, it was Kilgore, the true freshman playing at corner. Got a, a pick, had a great defense on a ball. And here's the thing: it was one of those nights where it's just not your not your night. I believe it was Nick in a, uh, E. Down there on the goal line, when he's in perfect position, and yep. somehow the ball fell into the wide receiver's hands. Yeah, like somehow, like when that type, when those types of plays happen, you know, Coach Spurrier used to say, sometimes the ball just rolls your way, and sometimes it doesn't. That's one of those where you are like, oh no, this is not our night because he couldn't have played that ball any better. Talk to me about the defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that uh that I did notice against Tennessee, and I haven't seen us do <clears throat> I haven't seen us do this a lot, but uh we played Nick Emanuari in that nickel slot a lot. And you know, he's really a, a a pure safety when you think about it. But we uh Nick E played a lot of nickel um with DQ as well. And I kind of liked it too because Nick is like six foot four, and you've got that and a nickel back. Like that's that that's a big back right there that can that can roll down for run support that can cover those big wide receivers uh that Tennessee has. But but again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but linebackers is just mm. uh it's it's is <laughs> struggle city. Uh Stone Blanton is not is continuing to to underwhelm me tremendously. Um they were talking earlier on the radio this morning, uh Preston Thorne. And as we've mentioned multiple times on the show, we we are a multiple defense as well, but primarily our base defense is that 425 with those two linebackers. And uh was asking uh Preston about the 425, like, you know, is it are we are we running that because we truly want to and that's really what Clayton White wants to run, or are we running that because we don't really have more than two linebackers we can put on the damn field at the time. Mm-hmm. Which I, I I do think that that Clayton wants to be a four two five guy, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it yeah. I mean, I don't think we could run a three linebacker set if we wanted to at this point.
0: See, here's the thing: I heard him described uh, this week, or read him describe this week as a true inside linebacker, uh, a box in the box linebacker. And my first thought was, well, that's a major problem because yeah. when you have <clears throat> linebackers, you can't have that guy. you can't have that guy. you can barely have that guy in a traditional four3. If you've got a true in the box linebacker, you better have a three four system or a three three five because if you're counting, if you're saying that one of your two linebackers is an in the box linebacker, that is not good because you what you're gonna have to do, his, he needs to play edge. Then he needs to be rushing because that's that's one thing he is good at is getting up the field. Um, I don't know who you put at linebacker. You're right. Pop, Pop Howard has another player that we have we're excited about. Young player takes time to develop, but everybody was hoping to see him. Had, we saw him some. He's been out there, but he you know there's a big difference. There's a big difference between the high school and college game huge huge difference on what you're asking a linebacker to process and what you're asking a linebacker to see and and it's just you know again i go back to when it was said he was a in-the-box linebacker i was like well first of all the game isn't an in-the-box game anymore and second of all when you only got two linebackers that ain't good
1: yeah it's it's very uh it's very similar to to the, the Brent Venable's defenses at Clemson, where they always had that middle linebacker goon, the Skalskies of the world. Yes. Everybody yes. remember that that is, you know what, if 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 they if they get put in conflict and have to p- cover a pass, well, they're screwed. But if that's just running straight up the middle, mug pressure, blitz up the middle, yeah, those guys are pretty good. But yeah, again, yeah. that is a more traditional four-three over defense where you've got right. two more linebackers to cover people. Cover the flats, cover those hitch routes. And Stone Blanton just ain't got it. We got to hope that Puff Howard's going to come on. Um, I will also say that um, defensive line didn't have a great night the other night either. Tennessee did have uh Maze I believe his name is their all-world yeah, center, center came back and and you want to talk about like uh, a quarterback of the offensive line Mays can call the protections he can call the checks he knows that offense in and out and I think that was a big big boost to that Tennessee offensive line.
0: Who is the ESPN sideline reporter Cole something he was at our game he's bald
1: uh Kubalek
0: Kubalek he I think he's an old offensive lineman. Yeah, he, you're right. But, he made a statement that I was like mesmerized by, but also kind of shocked by not only does Mays can Mays be the quarterback out of the offensive line. He can straight up Trump, the quarterback, he can stop the quarterback from calling the snap. He has the ability to go, no, 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 no. We're not ready to run that play. You know, like we hang on, let me get shit straight before you start doing your thing. So like, yeah, he's a difference maker. Not only is he a hard nosed, strong line, or, excuse me, center, But he's smart, and he is that coach on the field. He is that coach on the field. And, and, you know, it's – you know, and here's the thing. I said last week that Joe Milton would give us the ball, and he did, and we couldn't take advantage of it. Um, You know, and and anytime you're a risk-taking coaching staff, you know, we we had the punt, the fake punt. That was a great, (laughs) great play to Xavier Leggett. A little bit better if he doesn't slip there. Oh, I know.
1: He might could have walked in.
0: And that's a huge play. But when you play that style and you try to do the same thing on third and twenty-two on off, you know it's it's a it's a it's a give and take situation. That old riverboat gambler style. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose on that. And again, those plays didn't decide the game. This let's just call a spade a spade here. Tennessee was the better football team. Tennessee Absolutely. was the team across the board. You know, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm just talking across the board. They were better. Um, it was their Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, I saw a rumor and I think it's a joke that they're on a buy this week, I think as well. And they're talking about jokingly having a parade that they beat us just to like, because Spencer made that joke.
1: That's pretty I, good. I, I got to give it to
0: them. Yeah, if they actually do that, like that's I, I I'm here for it. Um, as much as I, I'm not a fan of Tennessee, that's, that's some pettiness that I can, can get behind. All yes. right, Thomas, as we try to literally flush this game, if you're the court, if you're the coach, if you're Shane Beamer, you have a bye week. Obviously you're trying to get healthy, but what is your other key focus going into this game or going into this bye week?
1: There's two things. There's two things that I think this program needs to focus on more, more than anything else in this bye week. Number one is the pass protection. And number two is honestly the pass defense. So it's it's and <clears throat> look, I think the we we've talked about this in past episodes that um you know a lot of times it's 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 a lot more difficult to pass block than it is to run block it, especially if you're not running up a, a zone blocking scheme mm-hmm. you know you've got to be able to pick up different things my point is 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 that this offensive line hell even last week against Tennessee like I think they're much better at run blocking than they are at pass blocking. So you've got to work on that pass protection. And as you mentioned earlier, if you can't fix that with the offensive line, whether shuffling things or changing their footwork or anything like that, then you got to change the play calls. You got to have those sprint outs, those rollouts, get it out in space, to have some jet motions. Um, and then on the back end, on the back end of that defense, uh, I would really like for them to continue to work with Nick E and Nichols some more. Mm-hmm. And because I really like having him down in the box for run support, yeah. particularly when we get up against games uh, against teams like Kentucky that have shown they can run the hell out of the ball well, and boy, they how do inside, he have that? an inside the tackle runner. Stone Blanton better mm-hmm. have 25 tackles in that <laughs> Kentucky game.
0: He better, he better be blowing it out that game. I agree with you. I, I agree with what you said there. You know, here's the thing. You, uh, you made a great point. Pass blocking is 10 times harder in my opinion than run blocking. If you look at an NFL offensive lineman, you know, guys who get drafted number one overall, this, that, and the other, left tackles, if they ever bust, it's typically, if it's field production, it's because of their pass pro. And pass pro is hard. It is a tactful retreat. It's the best way I've ever heard it described. You are giving up ground, but not too much ground. You know, like it's a, it's a controlled retreat. And it's hard and it's very, very tough skill. It takes an elite athlete, especially at the left tackle and the right tackle position now. And it's, and the game has changed. We no longer have defensive ends. We have edges. So you, you may see a three point stance. You may see a guy in a two point stance. You may see a guy in a weird track stance. Like they do all kinds of stuff now that makes it harder for the offensive line. I think, Again, my, my key would be as the coaching staff, number one, get this team some success. You know, you're not going to pretend like you didn't just get whipped, but they, they got, you know, you can't be in a good mood right now, but get them some success. Second thing is what do we do well now? Okay. We found what we do well. How do we disguise it? So it doesn't look the same each time. And how can we play off of it? If we start having success with the inside zone, how do we mask it so it isn't the, the good old simple handoff inside zone? Or what's our play off of it? And it can't just be the pull the ball, throw the throw the uh, RPO slant because they're gonna jump that. And it's the defense is what I mean there. So you gotta figure that out. And Thomas, you gotta get creative. You gotta get creative. If you got something in your your playbook that you haven't really pulled out yet, you got to buy week, start. Start working on it. And here's the last thing I'll say. You know, they had three weeks of practice, or three, excuse me, three days of practice this week. I hope, you know, they used to talk about Monday night football when Spurrier was here, and that was the young guy's time. I hope there was some young guy's time this week because you got to be looking out there and going, is a true freshman who might not be all the way there mentally Can we put him in a situation where he can be successful and bring us more success as a football team than what we're trouting out there right now? We may not be able to do all the things we want to do. We may be able to not be able to make the checks and the changes and, and the audibles that we want, but is he a good enough athlete that if we can put him in a position to succeed, that's where coaching comes in. That's where coaching comes in. You you have to be able to, to, Think about that. This is the time to think about that. If they only had three weeks of practice, I know you got to recruit and do all those things. Everybody better be in their playbook. Everybody better be watching film. Find answers. This is the week to do it. All right, Thomas, let's look at a quick trip around college football here. As we've gotten into the season, Thomas, I I, I kind of feel like this is a loaded question. It sounds simple enough, but <clears throat> who's the best football team in college football right now?
1: Oh, my God. This is this year answering that question right now where we are almost halfway through the season is the hardest question to answer. I mean, you've got nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. You've got like almost 20 teams that are undefeated right now. Uh, I will say this, that. Um, I love the parody here, but there's more parody this year than there ever has been. I will say that Georgia has not looked like the true number one team, but I can't tell you who has because I don't think anybody has looked like the true number Mm -hmm. one team. Mm -hmm. I think Ohio State is a bit of a fraud at number four. Mm -hmm. Geez, I mean, honestly, right now, maybe Texas, maybe Texas is the best team in the country.
0: Oh Lord, the Texas are back. Is back. Chants are already starting. Um, (laughs) I think you might be right. I mean, what what do you make of Southern Cal?
1: They, I I mean, they got no defense, man. No, no defense. I mean, yeah. Now, granted, as long as Kayla Williams is healthy, they can. If they need to score eighty points, they can score eighty points. Right.
0: Right. I saw uh, somebody said. Find you a friend or a boss that is as loyal to you as Lincoln Riley is to Alex. Is it Grinch? Because he's used him at Oklahoma and now at Southern Cal, and their defense has been there at Achilles' heel the whole time. It was like if that guy is that loyal to you that you you're killing their chances to to make a run at the national championship. That's a guy you want to count on. Um, You know, you're exactly right. I love the parody. You know, it's never fun when unless you're a fan of that team. When Alabama steamrolling everybody, or Georgia steamrolling everybody, or or Oklahoma and Texas and all the teams that have done that, Florida, Florida State, that gets old. I mean, it gets stale. It's like, oh, who they're going to kill today? And mm-hmm. you know, so it makes it more fun. Um, you know, seeing Georgia give up two hundred plus yards to Auburn in the run game, and granted, <laughs> that's, it wild. Was Auburn, that's wild to me. Wild to me. Um, so that is super. Uh, interesting. You know, I, I I honestly don't have an answer. I guess I mean, Georgia's ranked number one, and they're the national, the two-time defending national champions, and they're undefeated. So I guess until somebody knocks them off, they're the best team in the country. But I don't think they're great. I don't think they're uh, unstoppable. They're certainly not dominant. Um, Thomas. So on the same kind of va- you know, wavelength. There, who surprised you this season? Who who has shown you? Oh wow, they're they're better than I thought they'd be.
1: Uh, Washington is one team now, and I'm sure a lot of people are saying, yeah, they got Michael Pennix Jr., like he's a legit Heisman contender. But they've got defense, too, and, like, they're another team that, as you know, eh, maybe by Pac-12 standards has had a solid defense before, but they're they're more of that offensive team as well. Uh, Washington and – Their their schedule has been garbage, but uh, Missouri. I feel like Missouri. Come on, drink a witch. You got to come back down to earth a little bit. Hell, they're five and zero right now.
0: I know they are. I know they are, and and it's it's hard because I just don't like Missouri. I just don't like Missouri. But they have been a surprise team. Kentucky, Kentucky is undefeated. You know they they've had a but they they sure as heck took care of Florida. I mean they who took care of Tennessee. And you know, we'll find out how good the Wildcats are this weekend as they head into Athens to, I believe, play a night game against Georgia. That's a, yeah. a tough thing to do. Um, my dad said this, and I think I've brought it up in the past. I don't know that in any other conference that there is a bigger home field advantage than in the SEC. Like when you go on the road in the, when you go on the road in the SEC and have to win, it's hard. It's is I don't care if you're Georgia, Georgia struggled on the Plains against Auburn. Yeah, I don't care who you are. It's hard to win on the road in the SEC. All right, Thomas, the other side of this coin, who's your most disappointing football team? And you can't say South Carolina. <laughs>
1: That'd be too easy, right? <laughs> um uh you know, I, I had I had much higher hopes for Alabama this year. I thought Milro was gonna be legit, yeah. and I do I'm not putting it all on Melrose. I'm not quite sure that Tommy Reese isn't mismanaging him a little bit and is not utilizing his strengths the most. So I'm not going to put it entirely on him. But, yes, I mean, right now, based on that, I'm just looking at the top 25 here. I'd have to say Alabama. Yeah,
0: I I would agree with that. And, you know, you mentioned Tommy Reese there. The old, you know, Nick Saban trick of just plug and play with a new offensive coordinator you know, and they they keep the same system, they keep the same terminology, and the offensive coordinator has to learn instead of the players. You know, he's gone to that well plenty of times, and it's worked, and he's won national championships doing it. I'm wondering if that magic's worn off, similar to how Coach Dabo Sweeney up in the upstate, you know, he he hired and promoted within multiple times, and it worked, and it worked, and maybe it's not working at certain spots. He went and got a high-profile, high super expensive offensive coordinator. That's not going super well, they've improved of late. So, you know, those types of things, football is a game of like, Hey, if, if it's working, we're going to keep trying it, you know, run it till they stop it. And, and it's the same style when it comes to hiring. So, you know, I'm wondering if those repeated patterns are going to, are going to bite those coaches and those teams this year, Thomas, this weekend, South Carolina is not playing, which, you know, as a Gamecock fan, as a fan of any team, it's almost better when your team's not playing because you're so like if South Carolina plays the So seven, relaxing. Right. If South Carolina's playing the 730 game, you're sitting there watching all the early slate, going, God, I hope we play good. Like this is a great <laughs> yeah. game. I hope we play good. Or if they play at noon and they and they look bad, you're, you can't enjoy the rest of the day because you're like, oh my God, that was awful. So now yep. that we have our own football team to watch, what games are you watching?
1: Oh man, I think I think my, my noon here is gonna be <clears throat> We got the old Red River rivalry, number 12, Oklahoma at number three, Texas. Two undefeated. Texas is favored by six and a half mm-hmm. at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. I think this is going to be a legit test for Oklahoma, obviously, and and one for Texas. I've said it before, I'm admittedly, kind of a closet uh, Brent Venables fan now that he can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> and uh, I do, I uh, would like to see him succeed, man, that would be a massive win for Venables and that program if they could knock off Texas.
0: And, and it's quite honestly a win. It's one of those games for boosters of Oklahoma and rabid fans of Oklahoma that they, they got to they want to see a good product on the field. They want to win. Don't get me wrong but you go out there and you and you put on a good product three-point game they're not going to be calling for your head because you know it was a tough tough first season in Norman for Brent Venables and I like him too so I, I'd like to see him pull off this upset because I just don't want Texas to, to be good I just I don't know I like Stark fine I wish he wasn't there I love a, a comeback story and a guy overcoming his past mistakes I, I think that's admirable I think that's hard to do and I, I'm Proud as heck of that guy for what he's done to to make up for some things he did in his in his past, but I just wish he wasn't at Texas because I don't like Texas. But you know, Thomas, I mentioned it one second ago. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky, what's your read on that? What's the line? I don't have it in front of me.
1: Georgia is favored by fifteen points. Wow. 15? Here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Somebody brought this up the other day, and I just looked at it because you were talking about yeah, Kentucky is number twenty. They're five and zero oh right now. They are. Holy crap, are they really first in the East? Is that possible? Well,
0: no, I that's not that. right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But somebody brought up the fact that look at their schedule. Why? I want their athletic director. Why don't we schedule games? like Because their front half of their schedule goes Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, and then you got ranked Florida at number right. 22. Right. And that's Missouri's schedule is very similar to that. Yeah. I'm tired of, of having these ranked teams to open up the I'm damn not- season.
0: I agree. It's a it's a hard ask when you come out the gate, you know, coming on with a hard game there. Um, There's a there's a lot of good football this weekend to watch. Gamecock fans just enjoy the college football game. Thomas, before we head out the door, I want to ask you something not college football. I want to ask NFL. And as you said, we don't have any show notes this week. So I can spring this on you. How much are you disliking the Swifty mania going on in the NFL right now?
1: Well, I'll tell you, the only reason I dislike it is because I was a Swifty well before she infiltrated hey, hey. the NFL and kind of a Kelsey fan, too. It's yeah. just going a little overboard here. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting to be a little much. I do think it is hilarious, though, all these new football fans. And I've right. seen um, some videos where they're like, what's a down? What's a what's right. a turnover? And I'm like, oh, my sweet, sweet summer child. So what's funny about
0: that, Travis Kelsey and his brother, Jason Kelsey, have their own podcast, The New Heights. It's great. It's a really great show. They've they've started getting more listeners because of the Swifties, and they have a segment called No Dumb Questions. And I, li- I listened to their show for the first time in a couple weeks this week, and it's all Swifties. Like, it's all, all the questions oh, you're man. like, why is there a one point conversion and a two point conversion? And why wouldn't you always go for two and like, you know, like what's going on? I don't understand. So that, that is, you know, one of the things, and now there's, this is my favorite complete tinfoil hat in the dark areas of Reddit Eagles football fans, uh, boards that I go to. So Swifty is from right outside of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. When she was playing at Lincoln financial this summer, there's a song she has where she talks about her Eagles jacket being you know, like thrown over a chair or something. And there was always a debate if she meant the Philadelphia Eagles or Eagles, the band. And during that game, during that concert, she stopped during that song and said, I hear there's a debate about this. It's definitely a Philadelphia Eagles. I and mean, of course, she's going to say that in Philly. It's a definitely a Philadelphia Eagles jacket. Go birds and the place erupts. So the 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 deep tinfoil hat theory is she's going to do all of this, get Travis Kelsey in love with her. And then break his heart right before the playoffs to help the eagles. <laughs> to help the eagles not have to play them in the playoffs. Oh, so that, that's the I uh, love it foil, and she'll get another hit song out of it. It'll be great. The eagles will win the Super Bowl. She can sing that song at the parade. It'll be fantastic. But uh, no, I'm I, you know that's that's a hilarious theory. Here's the thing I, I here's the thing I struggled with about last week's game the jets right and i know it's new york city so there's a lot of celebrities there it wasn't enough that taylor came she felt like she needed to bring her famous friends with her so blake lively's there with her husband ryan reynolds who's good buddies with hugh jackman they're filming a movie together right now and and like it just went into full mania but there's a great screenshot of Brittany mahomes patrick mahomes wife that you know she's she's a big social media wants attention and it's like in the bottom right part of the screen where taylor's cheering she looks miserable because now she's not the center of attention of chief fandom and like everybody's just loving her like she hates it because she's like i used to be that and now it's like where's taylor show taylor what's taylor doing oh no really funny i enjoy it all right got off the rails there but i enjoyed those things going on in the nfl Eagles keep winning. Let's do this uh, undefeated Thomas. Uh, if folks want to follow us on social media, they can go to at SAA fan on both Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to shoot us an email at SAA at gmail.com is a way to do that. Follow us on Facebook at the slightly above average football fan podcast page. And Thomas, as we head out the door, tell the people, whatever you want to tell them.
1: Everybody to all my Gamecock fans. Enjoy, enjoy this bye weekend without the stress. The weather is nice. It's almost time to get the fire pits ready. So let's enjoy a great day of football and some nice cold beverages.
0: See ya. See ya.